Our Old Testament scripture comes from the prophet Malachi. Be reading chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and then chapter 4, 5, and 6. The prophet Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Hear now the reading of God's word. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. They will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. Do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. And now chapter four, verses five and six. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. We turn now to the New Testament passage, Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 12. Continue to hear. Big part is verse 15, 7 to 15, Matthew chapter 11. Hear the word of the Lord. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. He will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Lord, you have given us your holy word You have ensured that it would be given to us generation after generation. It would still be here for us to plumb its depths and to uh, hear you speak to us. Grant, O Lord, through your spirit now, we would have eyes 
to see and ears to hear the treasures of your word. We pray for your aid and um, to that effect now, that our meditations will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, and the words of my mouth before you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we encountered John the Baptist in the prison, sending his followers to Jesus to inquire whether he was the one to come or whether they should look for another. In uh, in this place, we saw Jesus responding somewhat sternly to John. And the point has been something we've already seen before, Jesus being told what he should be doing. People have expectations for Jesus, and when he doesn't meet their expectations, they uh, turn away from him or they start demanding of him uh, things that he should be doing for them. And Jesus has a mission that he will not be turned away from. We saw that last week. Uh, we saw John the Baptist in prison. He is here said to be the greatest human being ever born, and yet also less than the least of those in the kingdom of heaven. Quite, uh, quite a striking uh, series of statements in our passage we'll have to think about. And yet, uh, John has these doubts, as we saw in Matthew 11, 2 through 6, Nevertheless, John has given clear testimony to Jesus earlier in Matthew 3, verse 11, passage we will look at again. Our passage begins in verse 7 with the the, uh, followers of John going away. And it's interesting, it says, as they were leaving, Jesus turns to the crowd. In other words, he's not talking to them, he's talking to the people who are following him. Uh, it's not that he's rejecting them, but it's symbolic that he has turning our attention really away from John at this point, which is where we will be uh, going as, as he uh, keeps talking to us in this passage. Now, our passage opens with three questions, verses 7 through 9. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? It's really one question with different, you know, statements of Jesus with regard to that. Uh, and in these questions, we're being led by Jesus to focus on John and his office, who he is in redemptive history, uh, and especially his relation to the kingdom of heaven, uh, something we will have to be working with here. Now, at this place, I am going to be... Uh, Doing something I taught repeatedly that people should not do. In case you don't know, I spent my adult life training pastors. I trained them in New Testament and Ancient Greek, which I taught since 1983 until a few years ago. So this is, this is something I did a lot. And I told, I told future pastors, don't go into the pulpit and start saying, well, the Greek says this, the Greek says that, because people don't have their Greek before them, and you don't want to come across as some know-it-all. So that's what I'm going to do. 
And I'm only doing this advisedly because it's important. So, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to think about me here. It's not about me. It's about the Word of God. And I want you to know what it's saying. Now, in the first case, uh, it's just an option I want you to know about. So, in verse 12, there are two statements here that are critical to the flow of this passage. What's interesting is if you drop verse 12 from the passage, it reads just fine. You may do that sometime. Just read verse 11, you know, read down to verse 11 and jump to verse 13. It seems to go just fine. But verse 12 is really critical here. It's critical for you to know this, or I wouldn't bother you with it. So the first half of this says this, reading verse 12, and I'm reading the English Standard Version. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. That's the first half right there. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. Now, this is just a possibility. There's another possibility for the phrase, and that's captured by the New International Version. So if you have the New International Version, here's what you would read. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. So there's two options here. One is the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence, or the kingdom itself itself is actively advancing with power, with force. So that, those are the two possibilities. And the word can mean either one. Uh, it's just a, you, you simply have to make a choice when you're translating between one of those two options. Now, in my opinion, just my, uh, my thinking on this, having uh, thought long and hard about the kingdom of heaven and what it is, and uh, including in uh, Matthew and where we're, how it fits into our context, I think the NIV version is probably the best. And it is uh, an accepted meaning of that term. It's used by a near contemporary author of the time, writing in Greek also, not in the Bible, somebody else. Uh, but he talks about uh, an army attacking a gate that has been closed uh, and, and forcing their way through the gate. So it's, it's making a forceful advance through a blocked or locked gate. Uh, and this, this is uh, one of the meanings of this term. So the idea is the kingdom of heaven has been making a forceful entry into the world. That's what Jesus could be saying, and I think that's the best way to take this. I think that is what he is saying. Now, the second half of this statement in verse 12 says this, and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Now, this again is possible, but I don't think that's likely. And, and I think that's actually a problem. Here's why. When you think about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, uh, it really is one thing in its pure definition. It is the new creation. That's what it is. If you were to ask me, well, what is the kingdom of God? It's the new creation. Uh, and then I would spend some time 
explain that to you. But that is very clearly taught in Scripture. The kingdom of God is the new creation. It's the new heavens and the new earth, and we enter it through resurrection. That's 1 Corinthians 15.50. We'll be treating that in our Sunday school in a few weeks. This is a very clear uh, teaching of Scripture and something really important to know. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God having drawn near, that's what he's talking about. The new heavens and a new earth, the new creation in complete, utter glory. That's what it is. So how is it that violent people are taking it by force? Well, at this point, you simply invoke, and here I'm going to do the thing I told people not to do. Greek has a possibility here that fits perfectly in this situation. And that is, the way it's expressed communicates that the event is attempted. Now, if, if you're reading Plato, you learn this. This is just how it works. If you're reading Homer, this is just how it works. Greek just works this way. And interestingly, it, it's translated that way in the, in the English Standard Version three times. There are three times when the ESV translates the verb this way where it's attempted, where is the, the verb is just very simple. If you want to see that, it's 1 John 2.26. 1 John 2.26. Luke 1.29. Luke 1.29. Mark 9.38. Mark 9.38. This is the English Standard Version, same one I'm using here. 1 John 2, trying to deceive you. It's just the word deceive. Trying to is understood from context. Luke 1, Mary tried to discern the meaning of the angels. Greetings to her. She tried to discern. And it's just the word discern. But from the context, you know, it's attempted. And then Mark 9, disciples tell Jesus regarding outsiders casting out demons, we tried to stop him. And that's how it's translated. I'm, I'm quoting, by the way, the ESV. They should have rendered it that way here. They should have said, and violent men are trying to take it by force. That's, that's what's happening. And that's what Jesus is saying. That form just means that. So here's how you want to understand this. The kingdom of heaven is forcing an entrance into the world, and yet the violent are attempting to seize control of it. Good luck. <laughs> the new creation. How are you going to do that? You are dealing with Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, who came to install it. And nothing would turn him from his purpose. Not every demon in hell, not Satan himself, nothing will prevent him from bringing in the new creation and populating it with you and our brothers and sisters who've gone before our brothers and sisters around the world now, and anybody who survives in the coming generations. He will have us, and that's what he came to do on the cross. He, and they can attempt to circumvent it. And what's the evidence that they're trying to violently throw down the kingdom of heaven? John's in prison. It didn't work. That's why it's attempted. 
So that's what Jesus is saying. And the center of Jesus' statement in this passage is the kingdom of heaven might be being attacked, but the kingdom of God will forcefully make its way into this world and it will be installed. I will bring in the new creation. And the centerpiece of where it was installed is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. If he were not resurrected, resurrected, we would not have the Lord's Supper. It would be vain. We have it because he was raised from the dead. So Jesus is telling us about the kingdom. And then he says quite interestingly here in verses 9 and following and then down in verse 13. He says this. What did you go out into the desert to look at? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. He will prepare your way before you. He's just quoting there from our passage in Malachi. Malachi 3. That's just, that's just a reference to that passage, which we already read. He is the forerunner. If you look at Matthew chapter 3, you read this. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He is preparing the way for the Lord. That's the testimony of John the Baptist. He is more than a prophet. He is himself the object of prophecy. You don't have prophets normally prophesied about, right? Isaiah was not the subject of a previous prophecy. Ezekiel was not the subject of a previous prophecy. You didn't have in 1 Kings the prophet arise and say, well, later on, there will be this fellow named Jeremiah. You don't have that. But instead, you have John being spoken of. And when John comes... He's fulfillment of prophecy. And it's not accidental, but it's right at the end of the Old Testament. I know it's put there in God's providence, but it's right there in Malachi, the end of the Old Testament. He's the capstone of the Old Testament because he's going to prepare the way for the Lord when he comes. And he did come born of a woman. So John is the forerunner. Now in verses 13 and 14, we read this. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. All the law and the prophets prophesied until John. Notice what Jesus just said. The end of the Old Testament has come. All the law and the prophets. Just a way to say the Old Testament. It has all reached its climax in John. He's the capstone of it all. He ended it. The Old Testament is no more. It has reached its pinnacle and its purpose has been fulfilled in John. John himself is the one to bring an end to the Old Testament law and the prophets. That revelation of God of the Old Testament. That's what Jesus says. The law and the prophets prophesied until John. And that's why he says he is Elijah, because Elijah was going to come 
at the end, the climax of that prophecy, paving the way for the Lord himself. That's what that's what that Isaiah passage says. We actually talked about this last week, so I won't belabor it. But prepare the way for the Lord. Make my path straight. And that's what's happened in John. He's he's prepared the way for the Lord himself, who is the God of Israel. And he's there in the person of the incarnate Son of God, Jesus, whom we're dealing with here, the one who's telling us this. And John is bringing to, to climax that revelation. So he's, he's the greatest one. There's no one greater than he is among those born of women, except for you. Even the least of you, even the youngest of you, is greater than John. Because John is a prophet of our era. You see, this is not his, his piety was deficient. He didn't pray enough. The guy was the most devoted servant of the Lord you could ever ask for. He was committed like none of us have ever even imagined to the Lord. He sacrificed everything for the Lord. It's not his person. It is not his piety that makes him less than the least of those in the kingdom of God. It's where he stands in history. That's it. He stands looking ahead to the promises. It's just like Moses looking at the promised land from a distance, but he can't go in. That's John. He's looking at the kingdom of heaven being inaugurated in the Lord Jesus Christ from a distance, from prison, and he can't go in in the, in the way that we can in our era, coming joyfully and freely. So John is less than the least in the kingdom of heaven. And you know who the least is? The poor in spirit. Matthew 5, verse 3. We've seen this already. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to you if you are poor in spirit and you come to the Lord Jesus and ask him to enter into his kingdom. That is what he grants you as a free gift. And he says, it is yours. You have it. You don't have to wait for it. I give it to you. And you will, you will enter into the, the joy of your father in heaven. And John, he pointed the way to that. Everything pointed until John. And then he points us to Christ. And then he recedes. You know, brothers and sisters, it's just like 1 Peter 1. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You have attained great glory, even though you didn't see the Lord Jesus when he was here on earth. You have now a life filled with glory and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ when you trust in Him. This is the gift that He gives to us through His Spirit. 
Matthew 13. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. We have the words of the Lord Jesus Christ inscribed for us in this gospel right here. Matthew chapter 11. We have him promising himself to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is, this is what Jesus introduces. He introduces the time of God's grace expanding out. I, brothers and sisters, John beat his head against a rock trying to get people to turn to the Lord. The same people who would crucify our Savior. And now, what about you here in Corvallis, Oregon? Unimaginable distance from the place where Jesus was speaking. All the way across the world. No one knew about Oregon. No one knew about the United States. No one knew about North or South America back then. And here we are talking about Jesus. This is great glory. Yes, we have not seen him. And some of you come from other countries. God bless you. You too are blessed and show the fruit of the work of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is, this is what we represent. The kingdom of God forcefully advancing. You want to see evidence of it? I'm seeing it right here. Here it is. Through the Spirit of God working in your lives, we have now evidence of the powerful working of God's Spirit, bringing people into fellowship of life eternal and resurrection in the kingdom of God. This is what we're about. This is what the church is. It's the fellowship of eternal life, one with another, sharing and building each other up together in this great faith of ours that Jesus has unleashed. That's why we see things that John could only imagine. But he didn't see them. He didn't see them fulfilled in history like you and I do. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed blown around by the wind? You know what that represents? A guy who changes his message by the political movements of his day. And John was in prison because he didn't do that. He was not a reed blown about by the wind. When he faced Herod Antipas, the political authority in his day, he did not back down. God bless him. Thank the Lord. He did not back down. He was not a reed blown around by the wind. What about our message from this pulpit in our church? There are lots of pressures to change our message. People would look at us and say all sorts of evil things about us wrongly. Just by standing for the truth and proclaiming the Bible and its message, hope of salvation, joy in the Lord, love for one another, love for our neighbors. If you love your neighbors, 
You cannot condone your sin. It's it's of no use to to accept their sin through which they die. So, brothers and sisters, we will not change our message. We have to be trees standing in the wind who are not blown over, rooted in the word of God. That's what we're about. Thank the Lord John was not blown around by the wind. What about soft clothing? What did you go out into the desert to see? A man in soft clothing? Men in soft clothing live in king's palaces. Where was John? He was in the dungeon of a king's palace. Ironic, isn't it? We know the palace. We know where John was. There's an, there's an archaeological site there now. They've excavated it. It's the, par- the palace of King Herod Antipas. And in the dungeon, there was John. He was in a king's palace, but not in the throne room. Ironic, isn't it? Sometimes we ourselves feel like we're in the dungeon in the world eyes, world's eyes. Well, so is John. There's no one risen greater among those born in, among women than John. That's why Jesus said that. He's a man who stood for the truth, as we should as well. That's why John is praised by our Lord Jesus Christ. He stood for his message, and he suffered for it, and followed the Lord wherever he led. So, brothers and sisters, what about us? We can give thanks for all that we've been given. And we, too, must stand fast like John. The violent may attempt to take our kingdom away from us, but the place where that was supremely evidenced was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he conquered death and hell for all of his people. The place of the utmost powerlessness, the place of the utmost shame, the place of the utmost defeat was instead great victory and great glory and great power unleashed on the kingdom of God through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because he rules from heaven on our behalf. Praise the Lord. Praise him. Let us pray. We thank you, O Lord, our God, that you have in your Son not swayed from your purpose, but you've given us hope, we who are hopeless. We live among a people who are hopeless. Grant that we may be light, loving neighbors who can share the gospel, the good news of Christ without hindrance. We pray for your kingdom to come, O Lord, and please bless us and sustain us in our mission, in our work in the church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.